All right, welcome to the P.O.D. podcast this week. I am Joe. And I am Adam. Hello, Adam. Well, hello, Joe. This week we shall discuss White Christmas, 1954. We shall. Starring, uh... Not pass. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Bing Crosby and uh, Danny Kay. With Rosemary Clooney and... What's that other lady? Uh, Vera something, I don't remember. A little, little snippet right off the bat. Did you know that Rosemary Clooney has a nephew? Yeah, pretty famous Call. one. His name's Jorge, right? Jorge Clooney. Yeah. Um, He's pretty ugly, yeah. so you probably never really heard of him. Tell you what. Uh, so, yeah, George Clooney. So, I was curious, and I think I looked that up years ago when I watched, you know, White Christmas one of these years, and I just wanted to make sure. But, yeah, so that was kind of neat. And I was telling Rachel, I'm like, usually mostly people in Hollywood come from some kind of fame and stardom. Um. Sure. It's a big family industry, huge. Oh, yeah, you know what I mean. So, I know that anyway. uh, White Christmas is a big annual movie for you and your family, and I know that you start every season by saying this to your family. And we're gonna have the half, half, happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap dance with Danny Fucking K. I know you say that to your family. <laughs> <laughs> you say that to your family every year. I don't. I don't say it quite like that. <laughs> Oh, as the kids pick their jaws up from the floor, don't sit down. We're gonna watch this. Oh. You probably say something like uh, Danny K, Danny oh. Flippin K, or something. You Napoleon oh, Dynamite, right? Flippity flap. Oh, uh, idiot. So. Oh. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, so this week we are doing White Christmas, starring Bing Crosby and Danny K. Yeah. It. You know. <laughs> I knew that the song came from Holiday Inn, but I, for some reason, I thought it might have been a remake of Holiday Inn. I got my story all wrong, um, but it has a very interesting like how it got made type of deal, um, and like the cut you see is the only cut you're ever gonna see. They can't really go and remaster it because all of the original stock got lost in a fire. Oh bummer! Yeah, so that's why you can't get uh, really good audio on this movie either, because it. Uh, all the original masters got destroyed in that fire too. So you're stuck with whatever carts were, uh, were made for the, the movie theaters. So you're stuck with that three channel surround. You can't get the 5.1. Well, so, I, so I wonder how long it's going to take for like them to do like redo this. Cause oh, a remake? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying in the sense of a remake, like, uh, you know, like do the movie again, but you know how they're doing a lot of the adaptations of musicals on television. Yeah. Um, oh, you mean like doing, Fox now, is doing Grease and Rocky exactly. Horror Picture Show. And now they're doing Hairspray's about to come out. I wonder how long before somebody picks this up and says, hey, let's just do some really cool Broadway uh, like television shows and pick up White Christmas. Because it would actually be pretty cool, I'd think. Yeah, this would, you know, for such a simple movie, they have these huge production numbers in it. And it would take quite a lot. Because not only do well, they it, do these movies, they do them live, don't they? Yeah, Fox. it is a musical. It's a musical movie. I right. mean, it's like Sound of Music and anything else. A lot of people think of White Christmas as a movie, but it's a musical. I oh, mean, yeah. I mean, it's a pretty thin... We'll, we'll we'll get into that. I mean, but yeah, it's... It could be done. I think it could be done. I think we should do it. Oh, okay. Throw up a Kickstarter? I'll be... Uh, which one do you think I should be? Ooh, definitely Bing Crosby. I'm going to be the Bing. You have the deeper you be voice. The no, no. All right, well, I'm, that's okay, because Danny like Kaye does all the dancing, because Bing Crosby is pretty old at this point. <laughs> so right. that's fine with me. You can do all the dancing. 
So, well, they say the best things happen while you're dancing. So let's go. Cheek to cheek. Just me and you. Uh, okay. Um, moving on. All right. Well, before we, we like... get any more into well... White Christmas, <laughs> what do you want to do? Uh, what do I want to do? What now? Sorry. What do you want? What? What, what do you mean? What do I want? I just ask you, what do you want? Who are you? <laughs> Who is your daddy and what does he do? Um, to the hand. Well, it's this part of the podcast before we get into White Christmas that we actually find out what we've been doing throughout the week, right? Yeah. Recommendations and, you went, and such. You went, yeah, you went first last week, so why don't you go second this week? Oh, I can After do that. I go first. Let's hear it, buddy. What you, been, uh, what you got to recommend to me? So a couple things, right? Yesterday, um, we rented a movie. Uh, we rented two movies Friday night. We did family night and we watched um, a family movie and it was called. I totally forget what <laughs> Struggling we Struggling to remember. Can't <laughs> I forget quite what, get it. I forget what it was. It was just something hey, that just recently right? came out, man. Um, while I'm while I'm remembering that one, I did get one from me. Um, so me. it was. <laughs> Were you sitting um, there and you, you know, you got one for them, one for me. Uh, I got, uh, Mechanic Resurrection. Oh, yeah, how was it? I loved it. It was just a really fun, entertaining, uh, Jason Statham, of course. hold on. Let me guess, all right? Here's the plot of the movie. Something bad happens, and Jason Statham has to punch people in the face to solve the problem. Um, that's every movie. Then he solves the problem. Every action movie in the world, so. Well, they don't all star Jason Statham. Well, no, that's, that's very, very true. But that's what we watched. So that was pretty. Well, that's what I watched, um, which was pretty good. Was so, Jessica Albin's triumphant return to film worth it? I don't know if it was a return to film, but I was. I've never <laughs> been a huge what's her name Jessica Alba fan. Yeah. So, um, but it was it was it, it, it was entertaining. Just because every now and then I like to watch just an entertainment movie. I don't have to think about it. It's just kind of a little bit of eye candy. There's nothing wrong with Jason Statham punching people in the face. No, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It it works really, really, really really well for me. And it was, you know, great. I imagine this one's the same. Yeah, it's pretty much the same. So it was all good, though. So that was fun. Did you figure out that family movie yet? What's that? Did you figure out that family movie you watched yet? Uh, no, I can't. It's escaping me. That's how memorable it was. Um, was it animated? Yeah, it had to be animated, possibly. <laughs> was it Storks? <laughs> no, it wasn't Storks. Okay, uh, we can sit here and guess this all day. We you could, but like totally to recommend? So, um, but no, I watched something else yesterday while I was kind of watching football. Uh, I was turning and I turned on the Reels channel. Mm-hmm. And uh, a documentary on Charlie Sheen was on. And oh tell yeah, you what, dude. Tell you what, that guy has got his life together for the most part. <laughs> the dude is a train wreck. I'm, uh, I'm, it was incredible to see this guy's part of this guy's story put together like in one sitting. Like you realize throughout the last decade of stuff that he's been through, mm-hmm. or like two decades. But then when you see it all in, like, one hour, you're like, well, how is this guy still alive? It's pretty incredible. So Yeah. Um, he was actually uh, he was on the Drew and Mike podcast a little while ago. And uh, hearing it from his side was actually really, really interesting. How so? Um, like, when he was going through the whole Tiger Blood stuff, it, was, it wasn't what you think it is. It was a bunch okay. of other things because, you know, you, you, I would recommend that you go check out the Drew and Mike podcast. Just search uh, Charlie Sheen and you'll find the right episode. Um, and he just tells it from his side of the story. and It's pretty interesting just to hear uh, what he has to say about it. It might not all be true, but at this point he's got no reason to lie. So it, it's very interesting. If what he says is true, um, it adds a different level of dynamic to the dude that you don't that you wouldn't necessarily get just by knowing his antics on two and a half men and uh, his drug use and, you know, living with three different porn actresses and stuff like that. Hmm. So anyways, so I watched a little bit of that too. 
there's other stuff throughout the week, but uh, I'm totally, I'm drawing a blank to what we watched with the kids on Friday. So <laughs> it if was I great. come, if I come back to it, I'll, I'll I'll chime in again. But what about you, big guy? Oh, one other thing, uh-huh. we watched some episodes of the new girl. Super funny. Okay. Um, really enjoy the comedic writing of that show. It's really good. Gotcha. All right, your turn. Uh, you know, we kicked off uh, on Friday. We kicked off our Christmas movie watching season with White Christmas. So, as a family, then on cool. Saturday, uh, we watched Home Alone one and two. Always classics, and our president elect Donald Trump is in Home Alone two for a couple seconds. It was pretty funny. Yes, he is. <laughs> uh, and what I've come to uh, notice about those two movies is that. If this was real life and real life stakes were involved, Kevin McAllister would be a murderer because those guys would definitely be dead. <laughs> yeah. One of the funniest parts is the brick scene, dude. Oh, yeah. That, oh, he would have crushed gosh. his skull. He'd be dead. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was, you know, watching it now, like, just having that thought, not just watching it now. I just had that thought that those guys would be dead. It, I couldn't watch it anymore because I was like, this is, this is sick. This is, like, <laughs> sadomasochistic, like, evil stuff going on that this little blonde devil's <laughs> committing on these two guys. Sure, they're jerks, right. but I don't think they'd quite deserve this. <gasps> BFG. Oh, the BFG. Yeah, that movie was pretty good. <laughs> I just finally remembered it. So anyway, sorry. A big it was giant. Good. Big friendly giant. Yes, uh, go see it. If you have kids, kids will really enjoy it too. So, yeah, all it's, right. It's definitely Steven Spielberg. I liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I would recommend is uh, Westworld is wrapping up tonight as we record this, letting loose the uh, the behind-the-scenes, showing them how the sausage is made of the podcast. We're not recording this on the day it's released. Um, but uh, Westworld is an amazingly rich show. Um, what is it again? Remind Westworld. Me? I know the title. Oh, it's an HBO show about uh, the future where robots are used to help people uh, enjoy like an amusement park of the wild, wild west. So you have all these okay. hosts that occupy this park that are all programmed to um, go on different little adventures with people who pay $40,000 a day and uh, to like act out old west fantasies, whether it be fighting or screwing or whatever they want to do with their time, they can do all of it. And uh, there is a... There's underlying plots, there's overlying plots, there's mysteries. Uh, they're solving these mysteries, they're letting out secrets. It's It's been a very, very fun ride. A lot of these shows, as it was with Lost, they'll give you this mystery and they'll never solve it. And they don't really care at all if it was solved or not. But this show, they're actually they're finishing up a lot of these mysteries. And it's, it's it makes it a lot more fun, I think. It's a lot more yeah, satisfying. It looks like a stinking like, dynamite cast out of Harris, James Marsden. Um, I will uh, say that Sandy uh, Newton. Wow, there is a lot of nudity in it. Oh, but it's um, one of the Hemsworth like brothers. Th- it's not like games of Game of Thrones. Mm. It's because they're robots and they sit there and they're getting cut open and fixed and stuff, and they're you know just in the nude. Right, but it's a very good show. I recommend it. And then uh, I also watched this show on Netflix called Paranoid. Another uh, BBC show, I believe, that was released. You're a big BBC fan, man. I, they just make good TV over there. There's. Oh, I'm with you. I like them too. So. Um, this one stars Indira Varma, who you might know from Game of Thrones if you watch it. She's the uh, the Lady Sand Snake, Ilaria Sand. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I don't like her. <laughs> She's very good on this show. She's actually uh. Man, you couldn't be night and day different from Ilaria Sand. Uh, and it's about this very small British town, rural town, and uh, there's a murder that takes place, and it's a lot bigger than just a murder. And it's about these bumbling kind of detectives figuring it out and figuring out life as they go along. And I really, hmm. really enjoyed it. Very good acting. Very good acting. Good. Okay. But that's it, buddy. Oh, well, that's it, huh? I'm going to have to give Mechanic Resurrection a watch this week, though. 
Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's Jason Statham presented with the problem. He punches his way out of it. I mean, it's uh, um, it's you know the good old '80s action with the '90s or 2000s kind of twist. <laughs> so, to be honest, I don't does... I don't watch a whole lot of movies anymore. It's it's mostly TV and stuff. But right, and I'm uh, I'm definitely more of a movie person because I don't watch as much TV. So, um, I just and. I don't know. I like movies because it, it just holds my attention a little longer. Um, it seems like if I'm going to invest in something, I want to invest in it. I want it to be done with. You know what I mean? Right. Where like a lot of TV shows, they just give you cliffhangers. or um, And we've talked about this before. I'm kind of one of those people that I like shows that give me a conflict and they give me a resolution to that conflict. Oh, I don't like I don't. I don't mind a deeper backstory like Dexter, right? I like that most seasons, like, there's a deeper story behind it, but most episodes you're started with, he's going after a guy, and by the end, he gets his guy. Yeah, yeah. there's other things going on in the background that are just as important, if not more important, but you get some kind of conflict resolution within that series. CSI is like that, you know what I mean? I like shows that give me <laughs> You're closure. talking about the worst of television right now, buddy. <laughs> No, I'm just saying, I like that closure. I like the fact right. that I can turn it on. Like Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon does it. Yeah, is there a bigger story you're behind right. the, 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 the healing of Riggs? The problem is, though, most shows don't do it well. Don't do what well? Don't do... They don't have any sort of way to give you an episode of the week and a deeper backstory. They they just suck at it. Right. I, but that's what, that's what I'm saying, though. That's, that's why, why most shows Lethal like Weapon. that suck. Because Lethal Weapon's doing it awesome. I mean, right. they'll, they'll give you the problem of the week, but yet you get to see the slow um, healing of Riggs, or you get to see um, the family life of Murtaugh coming sure. together and a friendship, you know, that is being stronger with each episode. That's why that show is bulletproof right now. You know what I mean? The oh, yeah. second they go away from that, and the second like things just get super um, dramatic, is when shows lose me. So. But, I don't know. I you know, I grew up in that era. I grew up of... in the the conflict resolution era. Um, so, but I like um, new TV. I like the format where you don't finish the episode; you finish a season. Yeah. yeah see, that's not me. I that's prefer not. that because like the, that tells that lets like, you tell a richer story. If like, like Riggs the, and Murtaugh weren't wasting all their time solving the episode of the week, you could have a a deeper drama. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And you could have a more right. worthwhile experience in the end because you got to think too is that people aren't coming in and watching episodes like this anymore. They're binging them after the season's over. Yeah. See, so, I don't, but I'm not a binger. So, so new TV works um, for the new model. And I think it's good. Right. Personally. Yeah. You know, no, I, I, I get the appeal, like The Walking Dead. I get how that's a phenomenon. Game of Thrones. I, I enjoy Game of Thrones, but the, the overall story of just waiting to see what's next, sometimes, to me, it gets old. I like to have... Even if you give me a little nugget every now and then, okay. I think Game of Thrones does that enough to give me some kind of resolution like, okay, he did live. Okay, he is dead. He did die. Or like, oh, the war is over, you know? Game of Thrones, yeah, though, is the slowest moving show on TV. <laughs> well, I think they, like I said, I think they have successful because there are resolutions in it. Um, without giving too many spoilers to the show... I don't have to wait for somebody to get theirs. You know what I mean? Because the show is all about killing off main characters. Sure. And that's good to me. That's a res Even that's a resolution in itself. Awesome. You know, I don't like this guy. This guy's been hanging around for like six episodes. It's time for him to die. Right. And Game of Thrones does that. And you're like, who does that? But they're giving you exactly what you want, but you don't want it. It's weird. That's why it's so successful, I think. Um, amongst other reasons, but anyways, yeah. so that's neither here nor there. So that's what that yeah that was this week's stuff. So we could we could be on this forever. <laughs> we sure, but you know what you should do? What? Bow to your sensei. Bow to your sensei. That's what you should do. <laughs> Bow to your sensei. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, I just prefer uh, I prefer richer storytelling because if they had never started doing that with The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, that type of show. I think uh, movies would be a lot stronger than they are, or movies would have continued to be kind of crappy. You know what I mean? Now they're making movies like Arrival, 
and Arrival is a movie that just would never have been made 10 years ago. Uh, and that's all mm. the thanks to great episodic television like uh, Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, where you can you can give a story that's not necessarily like cookie cutter. And that's like a huge problem with a lot of TV. Like if you go into Shondaland on ABC, they're all cookie cutter type of shows. Right. You know, cookie cutters of each other. I Speaking think of which, like, are we going to uh, see any more shows with Sean Colin Van Johnson? Uh, I haven't heard anything about Amazon's pickups uh, or whatever of right. of their uh, pilot season. But I haven't looked either. Way to That's put me okay. on the spot. <laughs> so, so, sorry, that was random. <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Johnson. Oh, man. So, yeah, that was our recommendations for this week. And a diatribe. Does that work? So, but it works. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to get into I'll... White Christmas presented in this division. The very first one. Yeah. And it was so good of a technology, so good of a technology, I'm smart, that they kept it going forever, right? So check this out. Yeah, this is when <laughs> I when I saw that, I'm thinking, oh, this is like the introduction to James Cameron's 3D. Because he made a lot of that technology on his own, and a sure. lot of people adapted that forever and a day. And he's yet trying to advance that technology yet again. But you, you think about it. I mean, what was it before this? Technicolor was the big thing? Oh, this is, no, this is in Technicolor for sure, but yeah. Right. But this is like the newest one, like you said. And it was the, it was the style to shoot movies in forever. I mean... So it's kind of cool. I didn't, that, I didn't look up what, the complete history of this division. I just looked up what it was. Right. Well, I'm just saying, like, but it's cool to kind of see like the introduction of uh, technology. Sure. Yeah, I would basically then, uh, yeah. say that it's like 1954's 4K. Yeah, right. I'm just saying. It's higher a, resolution. And so it's kind of cool. And then you get to, I mean, you get to watching like, man, this is state of the art back then, and everybody was like, wow, look at this picture. It's incredible. We look at it now. We don't say that. No. But it's like, but technology is always progressing. I mean, shoot, before you know it, movie theaters are going to be, like, all-encompassing, like, in a big old curved screen that goes all the way to the side of your eyes. And you're yeah, going to have, like, you're going to have, like, peripheral action going on, right? Right. So, anyways, that's are what I going to give you a VR headset to watch in a movie theater? I don't know. Right. I don't know. So, anyway. But, yes, InvistaVision. Sorry. Go ahead. InvistaVision. And uh, it is war-torn 1944 Europe. Oh yes, it is. I can't remember if they said where exactly they were. Were they in France? Seems like I don't remember what it was, dude. To be honest with you, we've got a uh, an outfit of American soldiers putting on a song and dance show because that's what they did. Well, they got a you know that's what they did when they're letting downtime, man, letting off steam, <laughs> getting a little bit of well, home. It was Christmas, right? Getting a little bit of home across the pond. Come on, man. And there's a there's a really great way to know that it was Christmas. It starts with this. That's that's nice. I'm dreaming of a Christmas. See it? They waste no time. Smacking oh, of course that, they did. Smacking that I mean, song right off the bat. Begins right. and ends. It bookends this movie. Right. It starts in, I, and you know that's on purpose. And that was well, yeah, the point. That, to, that movie was, to, an, or that movie, that song is the Oscar winning song for Holiday Inn. I mean, it was, it was a hit. They right. This it was whole a movie hit. But it. even how the movie was made, and if you look how, um, uh, what is it? Curtis, right? Uh, I forget the director's name. Curtis. Uh, um, what's his first name? Michael, Michael. Yeah. Michael Curtis. Are you um, okay? No, I am. I'm, I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to put together a thought while I'm trying to remember a name. But anyways, right. I think they purposely did it. You had the song introduced right during war torn stinking conflict, 1944 Europe. Mm-hmm. Right. And it ends in a little bit of conflict. You know what I mean? It wraps up the conflict slash the problem that is the uh, the Columbia Inn, right, in Vermont. And it it puzzles it all together. So it's kind of neat to start and end um, on this song. Right. So 
But go ahead. So they're uh, Bing Crosby and Danny Kay just happen to be in the same unit together, and they're putting on a little Christmas show, and they wanted to give their general, their major general, a good send off because he is transferring out, and a new general is coming in. Yeah, straight so, from Washington. Straight from Washington. General so they, Waverly. General is Waverly. The one they, retiring. The one coming in. We don't ever find out. I don't know. He gets lost. So. <laughs> no, General that Waverly was the one it? reporting. He wasn't the replacing one. But anyways. Gotcha. Um. So General Waverly is actually in the audience, even though he doesn't uh say so, and they do end up giving him their send off, and then General Waverly leaves. And uh, they start getting bombed. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. That's kind of what happened then, though. And uh, Danny Kay saves Bing Crosby's life at the expense of hurting his arm. A fact that Danny Kay will bring up uh, every two seconds of this movie until the the final credits roll. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, the, not the arm saving yeah. bit. <laughs> so uh, he saves his life. Did, they, did you notice in... towards the end, like when he finally gets them to... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Nope. Nope. Go ahead. All right. So if they're you don't in. Hit it, uh, I will. They're in the little makeshift infirmary there on the front lines, and uh, Danny K tries to use. This is the first time he uses his "I saved your life, I hurt my arm" thing. He kind of leverages that so that they can, when they go back stateside, they can uh, basically start a song and dance team together. Right. Uh, he's he's leveraging it into probably his own personal fortune is what he's trying to do, which, you know, use what you got, right? Well, the, you know, and one of the recurrent themes of the show is everybody's got an angle. Everybody's got an angle. Right. Danny so. Kay, you know, he took advantage of what was given to him. Right. So he, uh, he does such a thing. He leverages it to fortune and fame, and it goes on to have a montage of their song and dance years. Um, I think there's like a two years later, a four years later, and then finally a ten years later. Uh, they are some of the biggest names in show business, putting on a traveling show. Wallace uh, and Davis. Wallace and Davis, that is huge. And people will come from hither and yon to see Wallace and Davis sing Hither and yon. <laughs> and they, <laughs> uh, they are seen getting changed, which... For the first time in Vista Vision, you get to see Bing Crosby in his underpants, tidy whities no less. And it's uh, horrifying, as you might imagine, because these guys are both old men at this time. Uh, now, nah, I guess old men. Bing Crosby's in his late 50s or mid-50s, and Danny Kaye would have been in his mid-40s. So I guess they're not really right. old, but... Right. Um, but they're up there. They're up there. So they're, they're in Florida, and they're taking... Uh, 10 days off for Christmas vacation. They've set everybody else on the show home. It's 10 days off vacation. Something that seemed abnormal. Uh, they don't really say, but it seems like they might never get any time off. Like they're that busy. Did you get that feeling as well? Yes. Okay. And uh, they're going to go research a new act. Some sisters of an, their old army buddy who is actually uh, Alfalfa from... The picture that they oh, show, it's actually yeah, Alfalfa from Little Rascals. Yeah, <laughs> Freckleface Nelson, or what Freckleface was his name? Freckleface Freddy. Freddy. Face okay. like a dog. Yep. Yeah, so they go to their old army buddy who was a cook. Is that right? I don't remember. The, yeah. His sisters are have the, a sing and dance show, much like theirs, and they're going to go check them out, maybe produce their show for them. Right. Give them some pointers with what it was originally. Like, oh, oh okay. give them some ideas, help them out. But, yeah, maybe help produce. But, okay. They go to the show, and they hear the very famous song that I'm sure everyone in the world has heard. I'm not going to play it. Sister. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, that song. Um, and uh, part of the uh-huh. subplot was Danny Kay is always trying to get Bing Crosby to settle down and get himself a woman. Yeah, find himself a dame. I don't know if Danny Kay was supposed to be like a Lothario or if he was supposed to be just real pushy because when it comes down to um, the one sister trying to get with Danny Kay, he's not really all that into it. Maybe he's closeted. Yeah. I don't know what his deal was. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah I, yeah, I don't know what it was either, but anyway. <laughs> 
Um, they see the girls do their performance, and it's a good thing that uh, they're sitting at a table because Bing has a boner immediately. And uh, <laughs> he is totally that, head over heels. This division didn't show. That didn't show that. That's, that's, what I'm saying. that's the deleted, the the unedited version. They, yeah, all those cuts were lost in the fire. But uh, he has got a a uh, thing for Rosemary Clooney immediately. And right. uh, Danny Kay senses that. And then they invite them to sit down with him. And he switches his seat so that Rosemary Clooney will have to sit next to Bing. And it's all, but hey, you're so beautiful. Girl, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And uh, the other thing that I noticed, too, like whenever they're doing their musical numbers, um, they shot it in a very, very interesting way. It's probably, I don't know if it's especially for the time. It's been a long time since I watched an older musical. But they were very right. long cuts from single angles. So... Uh, when they're when they're doing their musical numbers, they also look directly in camera, which is something that you typically don't do in movies. You don't look in camera, and I thought that was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. And the other, like the rest of the movie, is filled with long cuts too, and from single angles. And there's a spot where they're talking at the table, and there is a cut, and you can tell there's a cut because they obviously didn't like that take or something, but they didn't move the camera. You know what I'm saying? To show you yeah. that, like it was a cut and maybe something changed, it they kept the camera right where it was and it was really really jarring and it happened a few times throughout the movie. Oh, okay. Whereas yeah, nowadays I, they would I, record. I, usually, I catch things like that really well, but I think I've seen this movie so many times. It's like I just naturally progress with the movie. Sure. I don't those things like right away. If I would have saw it for the first time, I think I'd pick up on those things, but. Um, I think it's so many times my mind just fills it right in and moves right along with it. So gotcha. I'm glad you picked that up because next time I watch it, I'll try to I'll try to see that. It so. doesn't happen often. I mean, these guys were pros; they probably got through their takes no problem, and the editor didn't have to like fix much. But there was a couple spots where, you know, nowadays they would have adjusted the camera to um, her side or his side. They like right. they recorded their conversation at the table looking at both of them as they were looking at each other instead of looking how they would do it. Mm-hmm. Now they'd record all his uh, dialogue, then they record all hers, and then they'd cut their conversation together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but, you know, it, these guys are pros, man. I think I don't think there's anything wrong with the acting in this movie. No, I think, and it is done very differently then, you know. Oh, yeah. Things were very much dramatized and played for the camera like even on one of the where they're doing all the choreography at the end like this chick is just like sitting on this chair and her legs are like on another chair and she's just posing you know striking a pose right um or there's those kids who look dead in their face dead in the face or like when it's like (laughs) a cast play tonight and they got like four of them like on each side just looking at and smiling at each other like sure yeah yeah so Ever much, but that was filmmaking back then, and it's really cool to see just the difference, like deliberately deliberate action. Because I think today we want auth, auth, oh, authenticity, right? Mm-hmm. We want it to seem like life happening. It wasn't dramatized in the sense of uh, this is showbiz, this is production. It's big. It's glamorous. Now we try to like, man, capture it. Like, oh my gosh, I was like watching life. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cool to see the different, uh, uh, the just differences in how cinematic um, take was. Uh, I don't want cinematic take, but uh, how filmmaking is just different today. So, all right. So the Bing's smitten. Uh, Danny's indifferent, and. Uh... But we have to move the plot to Vermont somehow. So how do we do that? We create a problem that the girls need the guys' help with. The girls are being hoodwinked by their hotel-slash-apartment landlord. Uh, He says that they burnt the carpet, and he wants 200 bucks. And they're like, ah, oldest trick in the book. Uh, So they sneak the girls out of there. Danny Kay gives them their train tickets back to New York. And uh, they said that they're going to create a little distraction so that the girls can get away and the sheriff won't hunt them down. And right. to do the distraction, I mean, what would you do? 
Um, I'd just pay the two hundred dollars and be done with it. Oh no, I would dress in drag and do a song and dance number. <laughs> right? And that's what they did. I guess we think alike. Yeah. They get in drag, sure not do. complete drag, but you know, just enough. And they, they do the same song that the girls did. And everyone's laughing, having a good time. Bing looks really comfortable. I don't know why that is. I'm not saying anything. Um, but uh, <laughs> their distraction, okay. for the most part, works. Then they all escape onto the train where uh, Bing is kind of unhappy to find out that Danny gave up their tickets to the girls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they all kind of get convinced that, you know, it, it'd be good to go to Vermont together. They sing a little cute song called Snow. Snow, 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 good. snow. So it was. It yeah. won't be long. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I thought we were like busting into that crap. <laughs> I couldn't if I tried, buddy. I don't think I remember. You know, I just know the song was called Snow. <laughs> okay. Uh, they get uh, to Vermont. They go to the Columbia Inn in Pine Tree, Vermont. And what do you know? What do you know, Adam? I just thought of random happenstance. It General feels like Waverly. they're still in South Carolina. What's that? Feels like they're still in South Carolina. Oh they're, yeah, yeah. Because there was no baffled. snow. There was no snow. What? Where all the? Where do you guys keep all the snow? We put it away at night. We bring it in. We bring it in. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they get to their hotel, which is a inn, I guess, and uh, generally General Waverly, their old commanding Surprise. officer. Owns the hotel in Flash Hotel. Serendipitous, Joe. It's crazy just how small this world is. Serendipitous. That's a different movie. But, uh... <laughs> John when they, Cusick. When they get there, they realize General Waverly is kind of down on his luck. Uh, there's no snow in Vermont right now, so no people really want to go to the inn because there's nothing to do in Vermont if there's no snow, I guess. They're yeah. using the ski cables for clotheslines. Yeah, they use yeah, maybe Pandemonium there's a ski resort there. Biblical proportions. Who knows? Um, so Bing and Danny have this great idea. Actually, Bing has the great idea that they're going to bring their entire show, um, up to Vermont, and that will draw people in. General Waverly thinks it's kind of a dumb idea, but you know he does it anyway. Uh, Bing and Danny. I do don't it know anyways. much about show business or guinea pigs. <laughs> right. That's what he says. You know, I don't know much about show business. You're not watching this movie, I don't think, too much for the plot. I think you're watching it to see Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye sing and dance, right? Well, that too, and I think you're you're also watching it to get the feel good. You know sure. the fuzzy feelings coming at the end. Sure. Because that's what Christmas is, right? That search for fuzzy, for happy, for like... Right. It's a season of giving and sharing and like where we're generally pretty rotten to human beings in general for 11 months out of the year. This is one month we're like, oh, okay, we'll focus on, you know, happy feelings, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's part of that too. I, I would say you're right. Most people tune in to see Bing Crosby um, uh, yeah, sing. They you want know? him to sing, and he does a lot of singing, and man, oh, man, he can sing, boy. Yes, he does. So they uh, they get the whole show up there. They do, and this is where um, the movie becomes a musical. And in, in these instances, where um, it's not your typical musical where people sing the plot out, you know. No, no. It's, it's uh, uh, they take like a a cut from the actual action and they show you their number. They have this giant production number called Minstrel that they do, and it's it's fun. You know, it's fun mm-hmm. to watch, and it's it had a really good joke at the end. They get done with this huge production number that would have blown away any Broadway audience and there's three people sitting there and they all clap and that, that was a good joke yes um, so then you cut to Bing smoking a pipe and I know you're really jealous mm, yeah <laughs> yeah I, I was telling Rachel while I was watching this I'm like I just miss simpler times right sure when people did what made them comfortable before things became PC, before everything became bad, before everything became a war on everything. Oh, yeah. And now you have to fight for everything in life. Well, you look at it, like even at the parties, right? There's guys smoking cigars, guys having pipes, people drinking. They're just having a good time. Yeah. And everything is demonized now today. It's like you can't do anything without 
giving somebody bodily harm five doors down the street. It's just, I don't know. I think, I think this was a simpler time where everybody wasn't wussified. But that's Maybe, just me. But you also have to admit that everybody in this movie was a white person too. Okay. So there's there's that. <laughs> what do you mean there's that? Uh, never mind. We'll talk about that in a different time, I guess. Oh, I mean, I get like you say there's that. I mean, I know that's what this is, but I'm just talking just in general. I'm, right, it's I'm not real life point. is what I'm saying. It's called White Christmas, dude. What do you want? Right, so you're saying it's a simpler time, but it's also not real. I don't think times were ever that simple. That's what was on uh, the screen. <laughs> that's what people would like you to believe. Well, no, but even nowadays you don't see that. It's not made on television. Cause People aren't just smoking cigars and pipes willy-nilly in establishments or, like, not worrying about having to say the word gay or, you know, Jaren Yeah, yeah, they do a drag number, but it was just a comical bit. Now it's got to be art. It's got to be some kind of uh, statement. Oh, we did a drag part in this movie because we felt like it's equal rights or we want to just yeah, really have to... stick up for the minority. They'd have to do is... an apology to her. What's that? Other or they'd have to do an apology to her, saying how sorry they were for that drag number because it was offensive. Well, that's what I'm saying. So I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this is depicting life back in 1954 the way it truly was. But movies were made. This was made with the sense of you could see even on screen where freedoms were taken, and they just weren't sorry about it. It was just it's entertainment, people. It's fun. It's loose. It's, I don't know. It's just me. But I digress. <laughs> you want less politics in your movies. Exactly. Don't Why worry, does everything got to be PC? There is oh, no politics man. in this movie. What's that? There is no politics in this movie unless you there's, are really into choreography a, dancing. There is a democratic joke that's hilarious, right? And it's well, just yeah. like, okay, fine. But nowadays... You're right. They have to be apology tour, or they get torn apart by the media. Here's the thing: just let a movie be a movie. God darn it! You know what? Who cares if they butchered Noah? Right? It's a movie. If you're looking towards the 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 Hollywood cinematic, uh, uh, I don't know, business to make a correct depiction of a biblical story, you aren't gonna do it. Stop looking there. Go on with your life. Yep. I'm sorry, you got me on a rant. Anyway, so they do this song and dance, right? Okay, rant. Go ahead. Over. <laughs> you got um, a button for that? <laughs> I don't. I should. Uh, All I have is this. Hail to the king, baby. So, okay. I um, guess they we they do the <laughs> they do minstrel. They have some talking. Um, Bing and his lady friend Rosemary Clooney are getting awfully chummy. Even given a yes. little smoochy smooch. Right. He's moving super fast. Um, and they go into another dance number, another song and dance number called Choreography, which I thought was very good. Yep. Um, Danny Kay gets to do a lot of physical comedy in this movie. Yep. Um, very much in the vein of someone like Michael Richards, Jim Carrey, or even, as I watched Home Alone, uh, Daniel Stern, you know, that tall, lanky guy, physical yeah. comedy. That's very funny. I heard Daniel Stern is the voice to the Wonder Years guy. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's awesome. You learn something okay. every day, huh, buddy? I learned a long time ago. I definitely knew it was true, but I knew you could tell me. <laughs> Got a button for that one? Like, and I told you so? Um. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. It's the best I got. Nice. I like it. Move on. Um. Yeah, so... Uh, they do choreography, and that's that's a fun watch. Then um, Bing, in part of his genius plan to get lots of people up to the inn, the Columbia Inn, talks to a TV buddy of his, and he says he wants to go on TV and uh, plead to all anybody in the New England area who might be, I guess it's a national have, show, so anybody in the have country. served under. Right, from the 151st Division or whatever it is. I don't, I don't exactly remember. But anybody who would want to come see General Waverly and uh, help him out and do a good thing for his friend who is having a hard time for his a guy who, as he says in in the movie, he goes that, you know, we ate, then he ate. We slept, then right. he slept. And is very, you know, 
he feels right. A well, sense of... and you got to remember at this part too, where they where they decide to do this big old like, oh, let's go on the Ed Harris show. We'll plead with everybody. The general had just. I think because the general is in hard times, he's like, well, what am I going to do if this inn doesn't succeed? I know I'll go back to the army. Right. Yeah, he did. There's that subplot, and too. He just kind of gets that letter back where they're like, oh, you scrangly old dog. You oh, right. you always. Oh, what a sense of humor coming back. Well, we miss you. And, you know, they just play it off and it hurts his ego a little bit. So oh, yeah. I think he's which kind of like what you just got off of, it goes into this of, of Bing wanting to do. Um, yeah. That's when he decides he has to ramp it up. Right. And it's, he's got, yeah, he needs TV. to do a little bit more. So he got to, he has to find all the guys that served under and do something big. So go ahead. Um, yeah. You know, and that's, that's kind of poignant that the general has had this backup plan in his pocket for 10 years and, you know, age got the best of him and he realizes that it's way too late now. You know, it's pretty interesting. Yes. But, um, mm-hmm. Bing's on the phone with the, the Ed Harris guy and the the housemaid lady, receptionist yeah. slash do everything for the general lady. It listens in on the phone calls and all she hears is Ed Harris. Ed Harris? No, what's his name? Ed Harris from the Ed Harris Show and is then Bob Harris? Wallace. That's hilarious. So Ed Harris. I think it was Ed Harris. Are we just sure. thinking of Ed Harris? <laughs> We could be because I just saw Ed Harris was in one of the shows that you did. I'll figure out, but you you keep going. Okay, he's uh he's saying, well, we should get TV cameras up there, and we should do the whole thing and put it on TV. All the publicity would be great. You guys would get two million dollars in free publicity, and you know, plus the general would get his stuff, and it would be great for TV and ratings and blah blah blah. And this is all the lady hears, and she's like, well, that dastardly devil. She hangs up the phone before Bing conveniently you know exactly when she hangs up he goes no i don't want any of that i'm not doing this for right. anybody i'm not exploiting him yeah right. he really puts his foot down he's like all right whatever so that's all in in plans and the blabbermouth maid goes and tells rosemary clooney that it's all for he was being real selfish about it and it's just all for the pub- the free publicity and uh rosemary clooney has a negative uh outlook towards ben Cos- crosby from now on because of this horrible game of telephone and it was the Ed Harris show, by the way. Ed Harris. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There we go. So, um, even in nineteen fifty four, the trope of people not talking with each other and creating the drama from their dishonesty slash omission is in full swing. And it's good to know that for sixty some odd years that this has been going on in movies and we're still not sick of it. <laughs> well, it works. It's convenient. Yeah. It's it makes something that is messy and makes it neat and uh Makes it easy to resolve. Have you ever thought, do you do that in real life? Um, Would you risk like a giant blowout with your wife over just not telling her something so simple? Right. Or would you basically well, of say, course, like, what's of your malfunction? Not. But that's why I think they use this, uh, <laughs> like you call it a trope, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, because it works, you know? We all look and be like, oh, if they would just say this or just ask, well, get, just none of my, then what really makes me mad on these little trope things, like, what's wrong with you? Well, nothing. Right. Like, <laughs> How convenient to stretch out this plot for another 30 seconds, exactly. 30 minutes. I mean, I guess you're right. It would only have been a, a one-and-a-half-hour movie instead of a two-hour movie. Absolutely, Joe. Absolutely. And you know, a 90-minute Christmas movie is just a sin, so you can't do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> Talk to the hand. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> Okay, so um, where are we at? Ah, the the drama with Rosemary Clooney. She decides she's gonna leave because she just can't take it anymore. Gets a job. Gets a job in the city, and then we get another subplot where Danny Kay and the other sister are going to pretend to be engaged. Vera Allen. Vera Allen. Because, sorry, is her name? Because that possibly couldn't go wrong. Right, because she thinks that the Rosemary Clooney character, um, Betty. And Judy is a mother hen. Betty and the Judy. So Betty's a mother hen. She can't go on with her life. She can't possibly be involved with Bing unless Judy is all settled down. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with this logic, right? Nope. So they fake the engagement, but it's, you know, too late. She's already got her heart set on leaving, and she leaves the next day anyways. Right. Bing happens to see her at the train station and makes another plead. Um, as he's trying to arrange for the train station to make sure that we're, you know, we're expecting this a lot is a of part of the movie where I really don't. He looks like a whip dog at this scene. Like, right. 
Like, oh, well, well, I'm really, gee, I'm sorry. Well, let's just talk. I'm really sorry about if I did or said anything. Right. It's like, you haven't been in this relationship long enough or developed long enough to look like this whip dog. It's the only part in this movie I'm like, ah, you're being flipping Cosby. (laughs) (laughs) So she leaves. She goes to her show. Bing, they all go about, you know, getting the show prepared without her. Um, Bing has to go down to the Ed Harris meeting. So he decides to meet him at her show where uh-huh. she's like, I don't want to sing this song, but it's basically a song like um, love you didn't do right by me. Right. How she's yeah. brokenhearted and she's mm-hmm. kind of embarrassed by it and whatnot. And then it all comes out that, uh, you know, well, he does the show and then it all comes out by uh, she's watching the show, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. And he sings a little song for the general, which was good. And then he says that like, I don't want the general to know that I'm doing this or whatever. And, and the whole and the whole while, Danny Kaye and the rest of the uh, the staff are trying to keep the general away from the TV. Right, because that's right? his favorite show. Right, because he never misses the Ed Harris show. So yeah, he, he fakes falling down the stairs. Yep. And he gets to do <laughs> some more physical comedy, walking on one leg and stuff. And the general's walking around in a circle until the show's over. But uh, Rosemary Clooney decides, you know, that Bing's actually a good guy. She must have misheard something that must not have been true. So she goes back to be a part of the special show. Right. And they do a a big number for the general, and uh, they take a long camera take on his face, and you can tell he's really trying to cry. (laughs) Uh, Somebody give me an onion. Somebody (laughs) give me some more of that clove oil. Uh, (laughs) Stop on my foot. I I pooped. I pooped. Um, <laughs> as, an, as an actor, I find it authentic terrorist comes best when you just crap yourself. It works. <laughs> uh, so they're all having the party, and a couple people, you know, they say, "Are you gonna eat your tots?" And then they just they just have fun, and everybody, all the raucous old soldiers are having a good time seeing each other again. And um, then uh, Bing and Danny go up there, and they sing that same general song because we love him well, all, the, all, all of the old man him. wherever he wants to go that one yep and the you general is uh crying again oh it's kind of like i said it's a feel-good kind of thing right because yeah. even for the general like oh they lost the dry cleaning or whatever and the only thing he can wear uh-huh is his uniform right yeah the dry cleaning was lost wink wink <laughs> <laughs> and then uh it does start to snow outside. So they open up the back of the theater. The snow Which is falling. a barn. <laughs> right, it's just a barn. Um, beautifully rear-projected screen, obviously. <laughs> and what do you know? Bing cranks out White Christmas once again. And the, the ladies join in and everybody joins in and it's beautiful. Excuse me. Yes. Everybody wins, right? Everybody wins. Everybody's happy, you know? Um Danny gets his girl he didn't know he wanted or sure. was going to end up with. Bing gets his girl, right? The general gets the place saved. All the soldiers get to show their appreciation. And mm-hmm. everything's hunky-dory. Yeah. That's what we call a happy ending. Uh, that is a Christmas-feeling movie, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. no Nakatomi Towers movie, but... Uh, yeah, it's not, it's you know. not a... Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Oh. oh. But it's pretty good. So, I mean, all of this, you guys watch it as a family, you know. Uh, the plot's good. The music's good. Choreography, I mean, it is a musical movie. Um, yeah. Like you musicals. pointed out, and I missed, there are some, you know, there's definitely some problems with this film. I try not but, to gripe about it, all right, because this right. movie was made, what, 62 years well, ago? You're talking, this is back when movies were still being, like, pioneering. This is, like, the frontier of movies. Yeah, like, they're finally getting, getting into color. They're getting into 30, big names, established names. So, well, so what do you give this? What do you give it? On the overall spectrum of film, I think it's actually, I think it was ambitious. I think that it added a lot. It, you know, has an Academy Award winning song in it. It didn't win an Academy Award necessarily for this film, but um, good acting, good performing. I'll, I'd give it a seven. All right. All right. I think it, I got adds, you. it adds. And, you know, you have to take into account, too, that this was 62 years ago. This was a long time well, ago. This was before... I- Modern camera techniques have been found. This is before people started acting in different ways. 
you know, that would uh, kind of make you think, you know, whatever. It, this wasn't like right. real life. They weren't trying to depict necessarily real life. I think one of the things that is kind of a, a mark against it is also a point for it. Like, you can tell, like, this is shot in a studio. Oh, yeah. You know, it's not out in... Even when he pulls up in the Jeep outside, you can hear the echo of the studio, which is a mark against it because it's not supposed to sound like that. But at the same time, everything that is set up, I mean, the backdrops are, you know, you can tell the backdrops are just that. They're backdrops, oh, yeah. painted scenery of nature. Um, but these, the the actual, uh, not what's the word I'm looking for? The sets for this movie are huge. Oh yeah, and you're using up a big they actually, stage. It's amazing to watch how they used to do that. Even from the standpoint of when they were dancing, uh, you know, the best things happen while you're dancing, you know, and they kind of they're in Florida and they go through the right. I mean, you could tell they put some time building that little walk across the fake river or creek or whatever. I mean, it's actually really cool to see how studios used to build a set. Now today, of course, everything is green screened, you know. It's very rare you get a real actual set nowadays because Oh no, budgets. that's not true. Oh, I th- I think so. I mean, every time I watch special features the making of, I mean, they'll do a couple things made on a set, maybe the actual road or like a couple cars, but everything else is green screened. I mean, I'm not saying they don't do set sets, but they don't do sets like this anymore. Oh, sure they do. I, I, I it's not I think it's the exception. I don't think it's the standard well, anymore. A lot of times, too, they shoot on location at a lot of places, too. Right. I gotcha. So, I remember, you just watched so a movie th- last December where they built an entire Millennium Falcon. So, so people are but still anyways, Right. But I'm saying it's the exception. It's not the rule. So The other thing, too, uh, is, like, they need to do musicals like this more. Yeah. I just think people, like, for us, I think we would enjoy it. But for, but for people that are, are, are now into that whole... Uh, you know, special effects, green screen slash, you know, give us something fast. I don't think it'd be as, as, as well accepted by the younger generation, you know? So it's less risk on television. Oh yeah. Oh, by far, dude. Could you imagine trying to do a white Christmas, the budget versus what it would bring in? Because like for us, white Christmas, we're in a transition phase, you know, of generation. We are young enough to remember black and white shows still, sure. like, um, but we're old enough now to see the best of technology come out. We can appreciate the Mr. Eds and the Patty Dukes right. and stuff like that, but at the same time, imagine, like, my kids won't sit down for this stuff. Would they sit let down alone. for, you know, a different movie musical? Um, Not really, you know, but you got to remember, dude. I mean, 30 years before this, I mean, not many, 30 years before our time, the entertainment was sitting in front of the radio at night. So, I mean, I think to take something that used to be big and, you know, singing, uh, musical, stuff like that, unless you hit that minority, which is Broadway fans, right? You're not going to pull in killer numbers in a musical anymore. I'm with you. I think it'd be nice to see it done. And maybe it's just got to be the right way and the right person come along and do it, you know? Yeah, like Chicago. Um, like what? Chicago. Yeah, maybe. That was like uh, the Chicago or the producers. I don't remember which came first, but those are the last like song and dance musicals. They did Les Miserables a couple well, years ago, I mean, but that, was, that thought, wasn't like a dance musical, you know? Well, I mean, the biggest, the, busi- the biggest musical was Cats, right? And how long ago was that? Cats oh, that Revolutions. The uh, memories. Uh, I mean, of the opera, Cats, yeah. Right, fan of the opera and Cats. I mean, since then, I mean, there's been big productions, uh, but, I mean, nothing really new comes out, you know, but it's not that big. While it's big within a certain minority, once again, that's not like, it's not looked towards as the standard anymore. So, um, so yeah, it's interesting. So, so you give it a 7 out of 10, right? Sure. All right, I see that, and I was just about to give my rating, the plus and the negative for it, but it's cool seeing sets build again. I, too, give this a 7, um, but I'd give it one step up a 7.5. Oh, you so, have to do that, didn't you? You I did son be- of a bitch. <laughs> you were waiting for that. So <laughs> I wasn't. You're like, you're like, please say high number. Please say I high number. Quick. I want to push that button. Um, for the fact alone, the sets and what they used to build back then is just incredible. 
Oh yeah, it's well, it's neat to see. I absolutely it's don't just, agree with you. I think they still do it, but right. Well, well, um, yeah. So it's kind of <laughs> neat. Um, uh, I love movie musicals. I really, really do. Um, me and Lucy started going through a bunch of them. Uh, Music Man, um, the producers, Little Shop of Horrors. Did you- what would you think of uh what you think of Johnny Depp's Sweeney Todd? It was okay. Yeah. That's probably the last one like I was actually excited to see. I mean, I've seen one since then, of course. But is that a um, song and dance movie? Did they do a lot of dance productions? I don't recall. It's been so long ago. Like have you seen um, the producers with Math- with Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane? I have not. I mean, you've got these really really big dance numbers with Matthew Broderick. Right. You know, we're, well, he's been on Broadway forever, right. hasn't he? But you have the person who's doing the movie actually doing the dancing, like Richard Gere tap dancing in Chicago. That was, you know, it's a big deal to have these people do these things. Right. You know, show that they're, you know, Bing Crosby, sing, dance, play piano, act, and you got quadruple threats. Right. Well, um, and that's everybody in here. I mean, they don't pan them, like you said, they, you know, they stay up close with that shot and people look at the camera. And so, you know, it's not a stunt double, you know, it's right. not somebody actually dancing. They learn the choreography, um, which I wouldn't even be, I, I told Rachel, I'm like, I bet you like these people, so they could become these triple threats. I mean, once they're like, yeah, we want to get into acting, but they realize, man, I got to be able to sing and dance. So right, they back, take yeah, dance back classes. Then it wasn't just acting. Right. They take dance classes. So when, that dancing number comes along in a lot of movies that happened back then. Um, people were like, Hey, yeah, let's go get, uh, let's go get Danny K. He, he can tap, you know what I mean? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, hmm. But nice. anyway, I, you know, I, I do, do love a good movie musical. Uh, I guess, I guess hairspray 2007 was another one where they actually did dance, you know, and that was, that was a really good movie. You got James Marsden singing and dancing. And of course your favorite Zac Efron. <laughs> What? You're the one that hearts <laughs> Zach Efron, dude. I'm not ashamed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just don't just don't push that off on me. You're projecting. <laughs> oh, it's a great movie, you know. Yeah. So you get a seven, I get a seven and a half. Um there we are. bottom line, if you have not seen White Christmas, go into it with an open mind and it may become a holiday mainstay for you. Yeah. You never know. Just remember like sixty two years is a long time and you know, it's still, it still holds up. It's still a decent movie. There's nothing really inherently wrong with it. No. Give it a chance. Give it a watch. It's on Netflix for free, so you're not really uh, wasting anything as far as an investment. Just If you don't like it, there's two hours gone. No big deal. Is it free? Is it free, Joe? Is well, it? It's is part it of your free? already $10 a month plan. But So is it free, Joe? No, it's not. Joe. I guess if you only watch Joe. one thing on Netflix for a whole month, it costs you 10 bucks. <laughs> decent. So cool. Awesome. That's White Christmas, everybody. Yeah. And I talked to Joe, and he has graciously agreed to sing the whole song White Christmas for us to close out the podcast. Go you ahead, Joe. I, I can just click a button and have Bing do it for me. So. Oh, come on. Really? Who'd <laughs> rather hear Bing over you? The Most buttery, people. smooth voice. Can I sing it as Peter Griffin? Uh, you can sing it however you want. I don't care if you sing it as Christopher Walken. Uh, I. I can't do a Dreaming. walking. <laughs> Your walking's pretty good. I like that. Uh-huh. All right, so next week. Next uh, week. We're going to finish up our Christmas movie discussion. And yes, we're going to talk about some alternative Christmas movies. Some that aren't necessarily Christmassy, like White Christmas or... Uh, Marathon 34th Street, It's a Wonderful right, Life. It's a Wonderful Life, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, stuff like that. Um, we're talking about Lethal Weapon, Die Hard. Maybe even some Harry Potter movies, Iron Man 3, etc., etc., etc. Etc. That's for headaches. So if you want to watch all those movies, uh, we'll talk about them next week. But if you just want to hear us talk about them like a couple of idiots, we'll be here. Yeah, give us some of your uh, opinions. What are some of your holiday Christmas mainstay movies? What do you go to? Sure. What is one you have to watch? Joe and I were talking earlier about Elf. Is that it? Um, yeah, what are your you know? what are your standbys that you got to get through the holiday season? Right, stand by me. And you can send us that information at uh, podpodcast at gmail dot com, Twitter mm-hmm. po underscore ed podcast. Um, that's at po underscore ed podcast on Twitter, 
facebook.com slash po'd podcast just hit us up there let us know what you watch what's a must see yes because we'd like to know and maybe you'll suggest something we haven't seen and we'll be more than happy to watch it and give our um what what is it we're calling adequate review (laughs) yeah our (laughs) adequate movie reviews Um, yeah we've been toying around changing our name from the po'd podcast too and if you have any uh input there um what were we thinking two absolute morons watch movies two morons uh absolutes are there any absolutes in life joe only if you're a sith oh mm, man that'd be a good podcast what siths no absolutes oh there you go anyway you sit on the throne of lies (laughs) i reject your reality and substitute my own so there you go is that it deal i think that's it so buddy join us next time why we pay homage to michael bay yay oh he doesn't have a christmas movie thank goodness yay so for adam i'm I'm joe and uh we are the po podcast thanks for listening everybody we will talk to you again later yay supposed to finish michael bay i'm not playing your games ah yay michael bay (laughs) (laughs) well hello mr fancy pants ladies and gentlemen Conway Twitty. No! Where the treetops glisten and children listen to hear sleigh bells in the snow. Still no. Every Christmas card I write No! May your days be merry and bright No! And may all your Christmases be Perfect. Go upstairs to your room.